Welcome to Coopercast New Morning Part 3. This is your host, Al's Coffee Cup, John Sachs. Al talks about Dylan's tendency to just play cover songs at recording sessions. We veer off about the recently passed Hammond B3 organ wizard Lonnie Smith. And one more little take on Al's B3 adventure, unlike Rolling Stone. Yeah, you say in the book that uh, you'd rather stay... It was so aggravating that he would come in every day with a new arrangement of stuff that you decided that you'd rather stay friends with him than uh, get in a hassle over this, so you said goodbye and stayed friends with him. Well, I think it was... I don't think I left prematurely. I think it was done. Right. I mean, the album was done in the sense that everything was recorded, but because you were playing the pseudo-producer role, you could have stuck around to help him figure out the final arrangement, but he kept changing it and changing it and changing it, so you said, eh, I don't, you know. Yeah, I mean, I remember if I saw a list of songs towards the end, mm. we were able to knock them out pretty quick. Yeah. Because everybody was comfortable with everybody. And, uh, and that was good. It is interesting that on Blonde on Blonde, he was writing the songs while the band sat around, or rewriting or finishing out songs while the band sat around. But on New Morning, they were all re- he brought them all ready to go, which is a more professional way to approach things. In fact, you criticized at one point that on their third album, I think, Skinner came in the studio, and they didn't have their songs all written. That's or, correct. And that annoyed you. But I was thinking, hmm, that's what Dylan did on Blonde and Blonde, but you were not in a position to be annoyed with Dylan on Blonde and Blonde. Well, I didn't produce Blonde and Blonde. Yeah, and also he was at that point reigning God and you were still just Al Cooper, whereas with Skinner you were the producer and you had a right to be annoyed if they showed up with no songs. Well, you know, that's just how it was. They played a lot of gigs. Yeah. More than Bob. Right. And so they were out there, you know, and also longer shows than Bob played. And uh, so it was just just tough. To find the time to sit down and write something. Yeah. Yeah. So he had made this move from folk, folky, to serious rock, then to real country and Skyline Rag, and then... I think he was kind of looking for what his next musical identity was. With, you know. well, I think the songwriting is what got him to whatever the next plateau was. Mm. And they usually dictated where it was going to be recorded, how it was going to be recorded, and like that. And I, I, I probably only played on five of them. Five of the... The albums all together. Right. So, you know, there's a lot more than five. I think the general consensus is that Blonde and Blonde is his greatest record. Well, well, that was my first deep involvement. Right. And I'm saying it's not, I don't think it's an utter coincidence. Although, to Highway 61, mm-hmm. I brought Harvey in. Yeah. Well, you played, you know, you played the classic organ on uh, Like a Rolling Stone, which was... Uh, I think... Def- well, I had no choice. Def- right. <laughs> hey, I had a question for you, though. I had a question. Because um, we were not going to 
totally revisit the infamous story of your walking in the studio and taking over the organ after Griffin moved from organ to piano. But one of the things that you do say was you were hoping the heck that he hadn't turned off the, the organ. organ. Yeah, because I didn't know how to turn it on. Right. But at the <coughs> same time, you told me, and I believe you, that in your uh, 1650 Broadway days and after, you played a lot of B3 for those demos. He, well, no, not really. Not so much? No. You played or you played keyboards on demos. Well, keyboards or guitar. Right. So in all of the and you also mentioned that most studios had a B a lot of studios had a B three hanging around because people liked it. Yeah. But But I didn't know how to work it. But you didn't know how to turn it on. That's uh, Right. Well it's complicated. That is so freaky. Like it's just there's so many, we won't go back there, but there's so many weird things about that whole story. He didn't know how to turn the organ on. Unbelievable. It was complicated. I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. Sue? Yeah? What was that organ player's name that just died that we were watching? Lonnie Smith. Dr. Lonnie Smith. What a great organ player. Lonnie Smith? Yeah. Now, was he his own thing or was he part of it? He was his own thing. So people should look up Lonnie Smith? Well, I think there's a lot of attention paid because he just died. But if you're an organ player, mm. it was really great to watch him. Yeah. He was phenomenal. He also wore a turban all the time. Oh, yeah. And he was a great dresser. It says here, while new... While New Morning neared completion, Dylan and his manager, Albert Grossman, formally dissolved their business relationship, July 17th, 1970. Now, you see pictures of Blonde on Blonde and uh, other albums, and Grossman standing right there. Was Grossman around for the New Morning recording? No. There is, first of all, there's a guy named Bob Dylan, and he's credited with vocals, piano on Day of the Locusts, Time Passes Slowly, Went to See the Gypsy, Winterlude, Sign in the Window, The Man in Me, Father of Night. So this is really, in a way, is Dylan's piano album. Yes, very much so. Interesting. I never thought of it like that. A reissue of New Morning that came out with a whole bunch of things that weren't on the original album. Oh, I wish I had that. Or maybe I do. You might. We can get it. Um, no, I mean, I have... There's a rack of yeah. Bob albums right behind me. Well, when you buy this Legacy Edition, Disc 1 is the original album, Songs 1 through 12. Disc 2 is outtakes, including other songs like Lily of the West, Can't Help Falling in Love. That, these weren't on um, New Morning. Right, these were... These were, were this is from other albums. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but <clears throat> these outtakes are put on there. These sound like outtakes from uh, Self Portrait. He did Mr. Bojangles. He does Marianne. He does Big Yellow Taxi by Joni Mitchell. Well, there were times on either New Morning or another record I can't think of where he would do that. Mm. He would just play cover songs yeah. for two days. Yeah. And then. So either I would say, did you write anything for this record? 
I'd say it seriously. Yeah. And I said, when do we get to that? Right. And that would usually start it. So, so he was doing cover songs like that during the sessions. Of he the was morning. he was warming up, right? But in the end, there were no cover songs on New Morning. They were all Dylan original songs. But on the previous album, Self Portrait, it was almost all cover songs. I don't think I played on that record. I don't. I'll check it. I don't think you did. Yeah. The other thing, though, is that some of the songs on New Morning that are not on, were not, I think they've recently been released. Mm-hmm. Uh, that had different instrumentation by you that he took off of the 1970 whatever album. I worked the hardest on that album other than Pond on Pond, mm-hmm. where I really worked the hardest. Yeah. But that would be the second hardest I worked. Mm. I'm running out of gas. I know. I'm running out of questions. So this wraps up our uh, episode on New Morning. This has been CooperCast New Morning Part 3, brought to you by Bootleg Versions. Look for more episodes coming up and subscribe at Apple, Spotify, or just about anywhere, and tell your friends.